So um, welcome everybody to today's um, masterclass, um, the title of which is Forget Short-Term Demand, Think Long-Term Brand. Um, and, you know, very much the focus today, we want to talk about um, B2B marketing. And, um, you know, it's the kind of conversation that we have a lot with clients. We do um, a lot of um, projects that are, are B2B. And, um, yeah, you know, it's sometimes one of those conversations where you kind of start by going, let's talk about your brand. And, you know, that, that, that can be something that has been a bit long neglected. And the focus is always on, yeah, I don't really want to talk about that. Let's talk about how we can, how, how you can help me hit my sales numbers next month. So, um, yeah, so I, I think, you, you know, there's, <clears throat> there's a lot of, um, uh, well, that was the intro. I haven't even introduced you, Becca. So <laughs> joining me today is Becca, who's Head of Strategic Planning. Uh, we both work out of the Leeds office for MediaWorks. And um, when I say we work on these things, uh, Becca works on a lot of these projects as well. Um, we all uh, get stuck in. Um, so yeah, B2B um, and B2B marketing. So I think what's prompted us to want to cover this today is there was a very good article in Marketing Week a few weeks ago, um, really challenging the whole idea of how we do B2B marketing. And, um, you know, you can see, you see a lot of these articles. And I think the reason why this one kind of piqued our interest was when we were looking at the people who were behind the research that was kind of informing it, um, they were from um, an Australian um, group called the Ehrenberg Bass Institute. And um, you may be familiar with them. Um, there's a very famous kind of um, speaker, thinker in marketing called Byron Sharp. Um, he's part of the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, and he wrote a book called How Brands Grow, which kind of pretty much shook up the world of B2C marketing. And um, they really kind of focus on um, collecting data, collecting evidence, studying, you know, a lot of different campaigns and different activity to see really what's being effective. So when we saw there was this article really focusing on B2B, like I say, piqued our interest. So what we want to do is kind of talk a bit around what was uh, kind of covered in that article. Um, I, I think then, you know, as we were kind of just having a look at what other people were talking about at the moment, there's also another really interesting paper that LinkedIn have done um, looking at advertising effectiveness for B2B as well. So we'll kind of run all that together and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll find it interesting and thought provoking. And I think, you know, the way we like to do these kind of sessions is to, it's a bit of a conversation having said that i'm i'm just going to do the 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 first bit um so sit back yeah but feel free to put in (laughs) and anybody got any questions uh you know fire away um so i think you know this article kind of starts off with the premise that says um you know how does b2b marketing work work um but then more importantly how do b2b marketers think that marketing works and I think that they kind of really set up a premise that say most B2B marketers have a wildly inaccurate understanding of how marketing works. And 
And as a result of that, a lot of B2B marketeers are kind of setting themselves up for, to fail. So at the heart of all of this really um, comes down to the, the idea that um, marketing is seen as being persuasive and uh, as, as being about pushing people down a funnel, down a, down a conversion funnel, and then someone will buy, which is, which is kind of fine. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of B2B marketers then will launch a campaign, um, you know, to, to drive some sales. And within the first two weeks of that campaign, it's, it's disappointing. They haven't got all the leads generated. They haven't generated everything that they expected to see. Um, and, um, uh, but, but, you know, kind of what, what was wrong with that thinking in the first place? Um, you know, surely, you know, it's, it's, we, we, we've all seen, you know, awareness, consideration, purchase, just push people down the funnel and it will happen. So what this kind of piece of research has kind of uncovered, and it's by a guy called Professor John Dawes, um, is um, basically in any kind of given B2B market, there's probably only 5% of your potential audience that are in the market to buy at that particular time, um, which basically means that 95% of your audience are not in market they may not be in market to buy for months or even years, if you think about the the, the life cycle of some products. <clears throat> and um, and they kind of say that contrary to belief, it doesn't matter how much advertising you do at that 95%, um, they're not going to buy off you because they, they've already got one of what you're trying to sell them. Um, they, they, and they won't need a new one for a while. Um, and if the, the, they give a really good example um, uh, about kind of business bank accounts. So if you look at companies, uh, you know, companies, business banking is, is a thing. Uh, a lot of banks um, are very interested in, in converting business customers. And um, this kind of research shows that um, 80% of companies switch business banks once every five years. Okay. So that's quite a lot of people, but it's kind of once every five years. So that kind of means that, uh, that at any time, um, only 20% of companies are likely to be in market. Um, and, you know, it kind of means that it, it, over the next year, if 80% of people are swapping every five years, it means that 20% of, those, uh, of the total audience are going to be in the market in the next year. And if you think about it over the next month, there's only going to be slightly less than 2% of um, of those people in market to switch. And if you look at the next two weeks, there's only 1% of people who are likely to be in market. Um, and, and if you think that then you're, you're targeting 1% of the, of the total available market for your product, um, but you're also then sharing that out with all your competitors. So you end up with a, a very, very small um, audience that are actually in market that you can target for your product. Um, so, you know, it's um, it, 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 it kind of says, so, you know, what, 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 what are you going to do about that? Because that seems to be a very ineffective way of then doing marketing because you're targeting such a small group of people and they're not going to be in the market to buy your product anyway. So what should you do? Should you give up? Um, should you ignore the, you know, and, and they, they recommend thinking of this as a bit of a 95 to 5 rule. So, you know, if there's 5% of people are in market, should you be ignoring the other 95%? Um, and actually, the answer to that question is probably not what you were thinking, but actually it, the 95% are really important. Um, and you should be marketing to those people all the time because actually when you look at how those people buy, um, 
they're buying, and when people do drop into market, they're buying based on familiarity with brands that they're aware of already. And you've already kind of almost told them about your product before they arrive in market. And actually, the purpose of your kind of more performance and conversion kind of tactics are really just going to be picking up those people as they come into the market and just reminding them, hi, we're here, you already know about us. So it kind of says, really speaks to the fact that actually, you know, you should be focusing on this 95% and we'll kind of come on to the kind of marketing that's going to work with those 95%. But essentially, it's kind of brand building. It's building people's familiarity with you as a business, your products, what you stand for, and the kind of value that you will bring. It's all priming people for the point when they do come into market that then they convert. So, um, yeah, and, and as I say, this has kind of been really evidenced by um, this new piece of research that's been done. And um, it, it's probably something that we would have um, always said and, and recommended, but it's always good to have some kind of independent research coming in to do that. But um, yeah, and, you know, like I said at the start of this, um, uh, it's a very familiar conversation that we have when we go and talk about B2B marketing. That The last thing people want to talk about is brand. But actually, when you when you see the argument stack up in the way that I've just said it, um, it, it kind of becomes one of the most important uh, pieces of marketing that you can do. So kind of have, having set that up, I think we wanted to then talk about then how we how we would go through um, approaching that problem and and you know how so you know I, I think the we're not what we're not going to talk about today is that five percent because that five percent is performance marketing it could be uh, paid search it could be things like that um, certainly you know this, the 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 days of um, a sales team or a, or a business development manager kind of picking up the bottom of the funnel is is all fine so we're going to talk about how you how you do plan the for the ninety five percent so enough of me rambling. Um, so I guess over to you, Becca, to mm-hmm. kind of talk about step one, which is about um, finding audiences. Yeah, and I think probably um, one of the things that's most complex, I guess, about working um, on B2B briefs or B2B brands is there tends to be quite a lot of different audiences that all have different needs. You know, we're, um, you know, we obviously think about who are your prospects and who are those people that potentially might fall in market. But actually, when we talk to a lot of B2B brands, it, you know, it can also be about engaging investors and stakeholders and employees and, you know, potential employees. How do you get that, um, attract that talent? So you can start to see that you end up with a kind of very complex um I guess, group of different segments. And that's without even getting into within your prospects, you might have further segmentation within that as well. Um, So I think that's the first place to start is really thinking about your audiences, um, who all those different segments are um, and what their needs and kind of messages are um, before you really get into anything else. And I think one of the, um, you know, we always talk about this, one of the places we start will always be looking at insight. Um, you know, that would, you know, for B2B, it can be quite hard to get bespoke insight out there because it can be very niche audiences. So doing things like kind of bespoke surveys, talking to your existing customers or kind of lookalikes of your customers and understanding um, more about what are the messages that resonate with them, um, you know, what kind of 
um, things they'd be expecting to see from you, but actually understanding where those audiences are as well. So thinking about all those different channels, you know, whether it is digital channels like social, you know, um, it could be LinkedIn, but very equally for things like attracting talent. It could be Instagram. Um, so really understanding where those different segments are and how they're using those different um, channels. Um, and, you know, like I said, it might be about um, speaking to, um, you know, different people to understand where they are. But, you know, using different tools, we use Yuga Profiles, which is a big kind of audience panel tool, um, which allows us to build quite granular audiences and understand how they kind of consume um, media online as well. Um, and then I think it's, you know, outside thinking of the very obvious ones, really start thinking about, right, what are those kind of um, additional ones as well? So if it's talent, you know, recruiters uh, can be a really, really um, big avenue for you to reach different people. It could be um, events. It could be internal comms, you know, things like intranet. So I think it's making sure you've kind of got that um, full picture of different channels, um, you know, and really thinking about how you will reach them. Um, and then I think, like Paul kind of said, it's about having those realistic expectations of, right, what are you actually expecting to get out of this? Um, and really, if this is more of a kind of brand building campaign and we're talking to those 95% of people, it is not going to be a contact or a lead that goes straight into your sales team. It's, you know, more likely to be things like, um, you know, awareness metrics or kind of interest metrics. Um, you know, you might see an increase in people kind of searching for your brand, which suggests you're kind of more top of mind. So I think it's really outlaying those different metrics per audience to really understand what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And 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 I think, um, yeah, and those kind of engagement metrics and, mm. uh, and, and, and that kind of thing as well. Um, I, 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 two, two things that I just kind of a, a conversation um, I was having last week Um with a uh, you know a big a big PLC um, who um, are doing a load of great um, social media um, advertising kind of around their brand to talk content you know re- really really good stuff um, and you know we we often do audits for companies like this and we we've done an audit for them and everything's looking great um, uh, but but the, the thing that they were really falling down on was a, a, a really low amounts of engagement and. Um, so fantastic quality content, active in all the channels, pay, uh, putting some paid support behind things, but then nobody was really engaging. Mm-hmm. And actually, then you started to realise in that example that they had very low follower numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and actually, you know, a, a critical thing was to understand that the social channels were important. Um, LinkedIn was important, but also they were getting really strong engagement in places like Instagram and Facebook and hadn't mm-hmm. really focused on growing audiences there. Um, so you know there's, there's there's things that we will be recommending to this particular client which are about um okay if you are going to do this kind of brand um uh building for this 95 percent group um yeah you, you know one of your key metrics is going to be are you engaging and how many people are you engaging with so yeah. you know it, it, like becca said it's not it's not just looking at leads and sales it's it's some of those other metrics which um which it, you know go, go, going back to that research it says that you need to you need to be a, a built a brand idea in people's heads so mm-hmm. how, how do you do that you, you 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 test it by you can do surveys but you can be you can you can check whether people are engaging with your content and finding it interesting because if they are then it will be leaving an imprint of yeah. what you want it to do 
The other, sorry, and, and the question I wanted to ask you, Becca, was about... Um, so we were doing a pitch the other day and we were talking about a B2B audience mm-hmm. and they said to us, really, can you use YouGov to find B2B audiences? We get that it's great for B2C. Is mm-hmm. it any good for B2B? Mm-hmm. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think the YouGov definitely probably has a bit more of a skew to B2C, but there's absolutely loads of information in there about B2B. I mean, I think it's got something like... I've sound like I'm doing a sales pitch now, but say it's got about 40,000 different data points. Um, so, yeah. you know, you are definitely going to be able to build up audiences there. And I think, again, um, you know, there is a kind of thing about mindset as well about B2B. So, you know, we talked a lot about LinkedIn, but then like Paul mentioned about Facebook and Instagram. And I think what people tend to forget about B2B marketing is at the end of the day, you are still marketing to a person. There's still a human at the other end. And, you know, it, as we all know, you don't just suddenly your work person and your non-work person are very much merged so I think you know yes um you know yes you can definitely use YouGov profiles to find um information about b2b audiences um but I think um again what I'd say about those kind of metrics and setting those um campaigns is as well I think um you know really think about the the cycle the longevity and the time period associated with that like you know, Paul used that example of um, business banking, that kind of cycle being five years. So, you know, you've got to really think about this with the long term head on and think, right, this is not about kind of jumping from a brand that no one's knows to a brand that everyone knows in a two week campaign. That is, you know, just not going to happen. It's really about how do you put those incremental measures in place and build up to that bigger picture? Yeah. Um so, and uh, we just had a question in from Elaine. I always think I sound like uh, Jeremy Corbyn when I say we've got a question from Elaine in Derby. Uh, I don't know whether you're in Derby, Elaine. Um, so, how, do, how does the B2B increase followers and ultimately engagement? I mean, uh, and I think we, I, I think we t- talk about that in two parts. And mm-hmm. the first bit, I think, um, you know, increasing followers there are there are strategies and, and 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 ways that you can do that so undoubtedly having some paid support um will increase followers get the most important thing that you can do is give people a reason to follow you you know we always say this to people about social make yourself something that people want to mm-hmm. follow you know so you're either going to be giving information knowledge learning um access to you know, unique uh, content, unique events, um, you, you, you know, th- there's many, many different ways. Um, but also uh, above and beyond those kind of um, techniques with the content, you know, also, you, you know, we, we get pretty strategic with things like hashtag strategies mm-hmm. and you following other people, you know, so there's a lot of different things that are, you know, to do with how the platforms work um, that that in- enable you to increase that. Mm-hmm. But the second part would be about then about your creative. So I think that we use that, we'll use that as a little segue into our next bit, mm. which is because because it's all very well me saying make make stuff that people like, but mm. you know how, how do how, what do we think about that? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, you know again, it's about getting into that different mindset of kind of stepping away from that um, that generating leads and generating sales very short term, you know, and that is a very straight up message of you know contact us this is the kind of rational reason you should contact us and there is absolutely a place for that in the marketing mix but I think what we're talking about today is about being remembered 
and being remembered in, you know, if it's that three years time that someone needs a business bank, it's about already having done that legwork that when that person is coming to make a decision about them, you are not having to start from zero. You've kind of got your foot up, as it were. And I think, um, you know, there's some really interesting stuff out there. Um, Burnett and Field did a big study with LinkedIn, um, who kind of looking specifically at brand building for B2B and looked at that kind of rational versus emotional messaging in campaigns and for B2B brands, what performs better. And I think historically, we all think of B2B as, oh, it's very kind of rational and it's all about selling the benefits and, um, but actually, for them, it's very much like B2C marketing, that when you're brand building, it's about making those emotional connections and it's about that kind of imprinting. So I think that's a bit of a different mindset, um, I think, for a lot of um, a lot of people. And I think it kind of comes back to kind of, I guess, a little bit what I was saying earlier as well, that, uh, you know, you're still talking to people. And I think um, I read a really interesting stat, which was... Um, which was talking to kind of B2B buyers and 59% of them saying that trust is one of the top two factors that make them choose a business um, to work with, another business to work with. And that is a very kind of emotional, um, you know, emotional connection you need to build up with someone to be able to trust. And, you know, often we're talking about for B2B, very vast sums of money that that person might be spending. It's not like popping to your, you know, your shop and buying a drink. It's a big investment, um you know for people so absolutely there's probably even a more of a need to have that kind of emotional connection and that trust and safety um, so I think that's very very important when we're thinking um, about it and I think um you know what's really interesting I think the last kind of 18 months as well again I think there's been a bit of a shift in b2b marketing that you know we're all working well I'm not currently working from home but, you know, we're um, very much in each other's houses, aren't we? You know, we're all working from home. It's become very, um, I guess, a bit more humane and a bit more accessible that, you know, we've had people trying to balance childcare and, you know, pets and bad Wi-Fi. And, you know, we saw that from Jace earlier. And it's just made, you know, B2B marketing a lot more accessible and a lot more, um, you know, that there's a, as a person at the other end. And I think there's been some really nice examples of brands that have, kind of jumped on that and I think um, actually LinkedIn have done a really nice um, campaign which is all about um, doing business where business is done um, and you know you can go and have a look at that there's quite a few articles about it but they'll do things like you know the image will be with um, a parent and their child with some papers in their hands and it is kind of very reminiscent of what everyone has been doing for the last 18 months and, um, and like I say I think we have slightly seen that bit of a shift in B2B marketing. Yeah and um, my, uh, you know I always love it when people talk about human centric marketing mm. because all marketing should be human centric. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, I think, you know, I, th- I think, you know, but has made some really interesting points there. Um, and I think, you know, this thing about the rational versus emotional, mm. um, it's it, there's a, a, a there's another really good book if you haven't read it um called decoded which kind of goes into kind of the you you kind of neuroscience of how, how you actually make decisions mm. and, and that kind of thing and there's some amazing stats in there about the you know the amount of information that goes into your brain versus the processing power that your brain mm. has and if you ever want to understand this rational emotional thing your your brain is make makes most of its decisions based entirely in the subconscious. You're mm. processing things that you you're not actively thinking about. So, and this is why things like colors and sounds and smells and 
you know familiar faces and those kind of things re re really work and and they, and they kind of build up you know this is kind of what brands are all about it's, it's kind of it's kind of some subconscious stuff that your brain then starts associating with um with with a particular service or a product and the rational side of it actually our brains are very bad at um thinking about things it's a real effort for them to think you know we we, we, we kind of evolved to, to make decisions on the fly so that you know you can you can recognize a, a i'm going to use a bad example a pterodactyl flying towards you obviously we didn't exist at the same time as pterodactyls i don't think um anyway so uh you know we, we, we kind of we kind of pre-programmed to be uh to work in our subconscious and and and, and that's why building up all these ideas and, and thoughts and colors and, and sounds and uh, uh you know the emotional side of your brand that's why it works because that's how people actually think you know that's a book called decoded we can do a session on that another day yeah we should um, do our favorite books we should shouldn't we mm. um and you know, and, and I think this idea that um, the the emotional and the rational um, is, uh, it, it, you know, the the, the ration and the rational works better for a, a short term campaign. Mm -hmm. Buy this tomorrow; it's on offer. We mm -hmm. can we can get our heads around that. Mm -hmm. the, but the emotional side works much longer term and, and delivers all mm -hmm. these brand effects. Mm -hmm. um, I just, and I just think going back to Elaine's question about, you know, how do you increase followers and the kind of content that you should make. So when we talk about emotional content, we don't, we don't, what, what, what we mean is that stuff I was just talking about. It's, mm -hmm. it's stuff that builds in your subconscious. Yeah. Um, but you can have, have association, you, you know, it doesn't mean it's making you cry. It, what it means is it's making you feel something. So, yeah. um, you know, I and and I I see really good examples of B two B advertising in my social media feeds. So mm -hmm. you know, it could be like Microsoft Azure talking about cloud computing, and they will mm -hmm. talk about it by telling you amazing things about what they do. Um, I had I had one from a, a company the other day that did um, laser cutting of metal. Um, you know, it's kind of like three D printing, but in metal, and you kind mm -hmm. of go, okay, that's just metal work. But anyway, they'd made it look that it was just the most amazing video, and then you go. Actually, Unilad are always showing me things like that, yeah. and it's kind of B two B marketing, the amazement at things, you know. And if you're you're creating this sense that your company is um, high tech, trustworthy, exciting, you're mm -hmm. proud of what you do, you're excited by what you do, that's the emotional kind of stuff that um, that we think works really well, really well in mm -hmm. in uh, in B two B. So um, we've talked about um, you know researching audiences and segmenting them we've talked mm -hmm. a bit about the kind of creative and this emotional side of things um so the the third thing that you wanted to kind of focus mm -hmm. on Becca well you, you tell us yeah well I think just the final thing is um you know making sure you're there when audiences do you know fall into market because you know um that's important as well so thinking about always on the strategies I think um you know, that can be very tricky and very expensive, but I think especially when you've got kind of long cycles, you want to be catching as many people as possible, especially if there's no seasonality to your product. Um, so making sure that you're there in market. And I think, again, it's about thinking about those wider channels as well. So yes, things like search and always on, but actually thinking about your sales contact cycle, you know, is it about getting in touch with everyone in six months? Is it about value added piece, making sure you're thinking about that um, email as well? Um, and make sure you're kind of consistent as well over that long period of time. I think, you know, like Paul says, your brain is lazy. So you don't want to be, you know, presenting yourself as a new brand every time. You want to be building and building and building and making sure you're consistent with all of that. 
Um, and then I think finally, I think one of the ones that I wanted to pull out as well is, you know, when you do, you are getting your getting to your performance um, element of your marketing and capturing those people that do fall into market. We do know that there's research out there that actually says you're going to get a higher click through and a kind of higher engagement on your performance marketing when you're more familiar, when you've already kind of built that presence and built that brand up. So, you know, the two do work together. It doesn't have to be that they're completely separate here over here. Actually, the, um, you know, the brand building will fuel your performance marketing. So making sure you're thinking about that as well. So I guess that's fine. The kind of bit that I wanted to cover off that obviously we've kind of talked about audiences yeah. creative, but then making sure that you're there to capture all the good work you've done. Yeah, and I think um, you know, going going back to this article that we'd kind of that sparked our thinking about this, they had a really good um, kind of paragraph at the end of it, and uh, they kind of say, so instead of hyper targeting the five percent, broadly target the five percent and the ninety five percent. In other words, target the category and reach all potential buyers. Ignore your competitors who target only today's decision makers but target both current and future decision makers Mm -hmm. and they say your future self will thank you and then they say run your media at a leisurely pace with budgets spaced over longer periods of time so that your brand is always fresh whenever buyers happen to enter the Mm -hmm. market and I think that that is exceptionally wise words Um, Mm -hmm. you know we're certainly not sat here today saying turn off your PPC, turn off those, um, you know, the, the performance marketing side of things. But you should have another strand, which is um, which is building your brand. Um, and this isn't us trying to sell this to, 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 to anybody. Um, this, is, this is the evidence. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting that the research is coming through on this. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's been there for a while on the, on the B2C side. And mm-hmm. um, it's, probably, it's probably taken a while for the B2B side of the research to catch up. But it does seem like there's a, you know, a bigger body of mm-hmm. evidence uh, building up from that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, it, it, Elaine has just asked a question again. Can you give us an example of emotional mm-hmm. marketing, please? Um, I think, go on, Becca, what do, what do you think? Oh, I was about to say I um, I really like IBM, a lot of what they do. Um, they've done some really good campaigns. There's one which you should have a look at called um, You Don't Know Jack, which is a really good one, which is all about their data. Um, but that makes it kind of, um, again, it kind of takes something that, you know, IBM data feels very cold, feels very functional, but actually kind of ties it back to kind of human and, uh, you know, the trust that you have in them. So I definitely go and have a look at that one. That's a very clever campaign. It's probably one of my faves. Yeah, and uh, I probably need to update some of my references, but um, we 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 always look at what General Electric are doing, yeah. GE um, in America, because they've 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 been doing this for a long time in their B two B marketing. Mm. And one of the things, and, and here you go, this is why it works because it's stuck in my mind. Um, they do a load of, it's not boring. Uh, it's quite boring, probably. Uh, a load of stuff to do with um, avionics and kind of airport management, and. Um, I was looking at their website one day and um, it said, why don't you try managing an airport? And I clicked, okay. And suddenly I was in charge of all the aeroplanes coming in and out of getting them to the right gate, making sure the food was on, the luggage was taken off, they'd been refueled. And, you know, it was kind of quite cool and quite, um, you know, chilled out for a bit. And then it got really intense. 
and and then people were going hungry, planes were taking off without the luggage, um, you know, complaints were coming in, and then you kind of go right, okay, yeah, I got, I've got you now. That the, the, mm. there's a whole whole bunch of stuff that GE make, which is about making airports run, run smoothly. So the emotional side of that was um, was actually causing me stress. It was by making me feel stressed about it, made mm. me appreciate the challenge that they were overcoming. So I think I think there's lots of different ways that you can do emotion. Um, mm. And you can do it by wow, you can do it by humour, you can do it by letting people mm. into your world, letting them feel a bit of your pain or exhilaration. They're all really good examples of um, emotion. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think some examples of the wow, uh, in, a, in a former life, we did a, um, a lot of work with a, a company that made uh, health and safety equipment. And, mm. you know, health and safety equipment ain't the most exciting thing. But it is when you take it to the Nissan factory and you're on their main robotics shop floor with robots flying around, and then you do a brilliant, beautifully lit, super slow mo mm. video of of your products. But you're putting it. You, you, the, the product might not be that exciting, but you put it in the context mm. of why it's relevant in a super exciting environment, and you end up with a brilliant film. So, I think I think there's a lot of different ways, and you know. Um, if anybody fancies giving us a challenge of we think we've got the most boring product ever, I bet yes. we can. I bet we can think of a way yes. to make it exciting and engaging. Oh, definitely. Um, and you know, but most businesses at the heart of them is is passion and belief about um, about what you do. So you know, we're all, we're always building out from that that's what brands are about you know we 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 discover something uh, about you we help you to to express that and um you know and then, then you get great great emotional content and campaigns mm-hmm. that are, are going to stick in people's minds mm-hmm. so um yeah so I think that's kind of what we wanted to cover today. Um, if anybody's got any questions, um, you know, feel free to do us a, a last-minute question or two. <clears throat> but I think, um, you know, the, the 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 kind of the kind of big summary of um, uh, of all of this is. Um, you know, as as Becca said, you know, Binet and Field um, very famously talked about a sixty forty rule for B two B two C marketing, where um, you know probably sixty percent of your your budget should go into brand building and forty percent go into short term activation. And really, I think the the message coming from this research is to adopt a ninety five five rule, where ninety five percent of your budget needs to go into your brand and five percent into your activation because that matches your market and your customer behavior or your prospect behavior um you should expect your sales results to come through mostly in the long term not in the mm-hmm. short term from that activity the short term will carry on being the short term uh, and the long term will build over time um you're not going to miraculously change um your, your short-term figures um develop that creative that will be remembered mostly by future buyers not current mm. buyers and you have to be thinking like that you but you you're, you're trying to appeal to the people that are going to be buying in two years time and you've got to maximize your reach and and your targeting of your 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 marketing um mostly against out of market buyers not in market buyers um so you know that, that that's what the facts tell us that's what the evidence is saying in this report and um you know, we th- we certainly think it's uh, food for thought, and um, you know, unlike most of these things that prove to be uh, groundbreaking, is probably a bit counterintuitive the first time mm-hmm. you hear it. But the more you look at it, mm-hmm. the more it makes sense. Anything else you want to add before we finish, Becca? Nope. I think no. I think you've covered everything. 
Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for everybody attending today. Thank you for Becca um, contributing um, all, all those um, brilliant insights. And I uh, hope you all enjoyed. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be uh, back in touch, um, following up and see if anybody's got any, uh, any further questions. But um, yeah, thanks again. And I uh, hope we see you on another Digital Masterclass soon. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey.